I'm Aaron Armstrong. I'm Pete Moran. And I'm Zach Groton. And we love to watch. We love to watch Revolutions Go Bananas. Pete? Hey, I don't know if I was supposed to say my name there. Yeah, you were. Yeah, you are. Okay. I mean, normally we ask guests to want to be on the show. Oh, okay. You went a different way with your intro. More like the, <laughs> I'm, I'm here against my will. Yeah. Mm-hmm. More like the tables have turned. I'm normally the teacher who hands out the homework. Now my <laughs> friends have given me homework. Yeah. Can I can I please side sidebar? Yeah. Um, sidebar. Aaron, you can kind of take a walk for a minute. I don't listen Zach. to anything you guys say on the podcast while recording. <laughs> so, Zach, uh, you're kind of off brand. Oh, now. this is sort of like a positive show. Oh, okay. Um, we're we're getting we're getting kind of like some letters back from listeners. You're saying you're kind of a Debbie Downer. Do you think maybe you could like become someone? different i could try who, who should i become adopt maybe like mild schizophrenic tendencies for just like three hours and we'll cut it down to like a 90 minute episode oh i already have those oh nice can you maybe find convenient schizophrenic tendencies for us uh, like all of yours are, are not convenient for us mine are mostly confined to you know masturbatory tendencies hey zach hey uh hey pete real quick that's on brand <laughs> pete can you leave for a second i just want to have a quick sidebar with zach <laughs> i'd love to okay hey zach hey yeah. i'm here um, you think it's kind of weird that uh, the other host of this show went to go present something to you first without talking to me? Like, you know, having a podcast like being co-parents. Right. And really, we need to be get on the same page before we're going to our children, in this case, you, to yeah. have this type of conversation. Do you think that's kind of weird? I, I sense a, a rift. Okay. That's it? <laughs> Just a rift? Well, nothing more. Okay. I thought I thought hey, you were gonna I thought you were gonna hey, come up more. You, okay, yeah. Zach, can you just can you? I'm gonna have a quick sidebar with Peter. Yeah, I'll hop off. Okay, great. Hey, Peter, you back? Peter? Uh, oh, oh. Yeah. Hey, it's, hey. I was just I was saying nothing but positive things to Zach. Uh, nice, then, nice. But then, but then he about you specifically. But I was talking to him and I thought we were doing a bit and then he just stopped talking. Oh, that's that's weird. That's really weird. Because yeah, like you, when you're doing a bit, you're supposed to. It's it's called uh, yes and. Yeah, so you're yeah. Supposed to like. Just kind of go with the the bit. Um, yep. Do you think maybe his mild schizophrenic tendencies are distracting him? You know, I don't know. No one's ever talked to me about that before. I was yeah, left was- out, Peter. I listened yeah. the whole time. <laughs> Aaron, it's not what it sounds hey, like. <laughs> guys, if you don't mind, while you're talking over here, I'm gonna I'm gonna crack open a diet Verner's. Whoa! And uh, and enjoy that. Hard tonight. You are gonna sleep like a baby with such a uh, yeah a nice calm tum tum. Oh yeah. Oh, it's gonna be beautiful. Hey Zach, can you put the do- Dr. Werner's up to the mic so I'm quick sidebar with it? <laughs> yeah, here it is. <laughs> hey, hey um, hey Dr. Werner's your older brother. <laughs> your older brother. <laughs> your oh, older brother. No wonder Werner's. Zach has that shine. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, can you can you give him some energy tonight, Dr. Werner's? Yeah, I can do that. Okay, can you kind of pep up can of pop? Uh, sure. Okay, great. <laughs> All right. So, like, um, Doctor Verner's, there's this thing called yes and, um, and you're supposed to just sort of like run with the bit. Doctor Verner's, I don't know how the bit works. Do. I don't. I wasn't. I, <laughs> hey, we weren't done talking to Doctor Verner's. <laughs> I wasn't given a hey, script. 
Did you did you break <laughs> all of Dr. Werner's? No, Zach, this is how it works. Here's a script. Say the stupidest thing you could think of. Nice. <laughs> yeah, this is a fitting return for Zach. Just 10 minutes of nonsense. But anyways, uh, Zach Groten is back on the show. Hopefully yeah. he's excited. Yeah. Uh, he Zach, Zach was our first ever guest. Really was supportive and helpful, uh, you know, during the kind of bouncing ideas off early on in this podcast. Zach is uh, one of our absolute favorite people. And he's back to tie the record of most guest appearances. Nice. With who? Well, you're tied with Joseph and Rick. <sighs> Yeah, I mean, I thought I'd be the most tied with worse people. Maybe come back a fifth time, you get out of the rut you're in. Yeah. So he's he's joining us for our second week of apocalypse. What is the theme this month? I don't even know. Well, it's about animals taking over. Okay. (laughs) I thought Airbud was the last episode. It was. That's about taking over your heart. Yeah, they take over your heart. Oh, dangerous tendency of animals to take over professional sports. Okay. Okay. They t- they caused a minor revolution, right? Um, because as you as you may well know, um, there ain't no rule in the rule book that says a dog can't play basketball, and that really uh, threw the whole game. That's, that's true. Yeah, and it it sort of had a trickle down effect into other sports. Um, All I can say is I hope you guys talked about how there's like spinoffs of spinoffs of Airbud. Oh yeah. Okay. Good. Oh yeah. 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 So it's it's like it's like four main movies, and then there's like a million buddies movies, and then. Yep. There's like three Christmas buddies movies that yep. have like their own continuity above them. Santa Paws. Um, yeah. So the theme of this month. Yeah, we're actually going to be talking about the next one tonight in the series. This we're doing Air Bud Golden Receiver. Uh, <laughs> so we're gonna we're gonna keep on talking about them. Can I keep on keeping on? Can I tell an Air Bud anecdote real quick? You can. You may. And you will. All right. So when I worked at Fye, I was an assistant manager. And I think it was, like, Ice Buddies 4 or whatever. I don't know. One of those Santa Buddies 3. And it came out brand new, and we had it on our new release display. And at, like, an hour after we opened, this guy comes in. He's like, hey, uh, I'm a representative from Disney. And we made a little mistake when we released this new Air Buddies movie, and we forgot to include one of the special features that's listed on the back of the box. And he handed me a big stack of, like, coupons for digital redemption of this one 10-minute featurette for Santa Buddies 3. That's so strange. So a physical <laughs> human being, like, what, did they not know email yep. exists? No. Yeah, he, physical he, human being. he came into the store and handed me the, the coupons. Or, or not coupons, uh, I guess, you know, little cards. How many, how many times did he wink at you while handing them to you? Three, maybe four. That's a pretty low level of winking. I feel like that guy was legit. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. Did he, he have a twitch? He, he did. He did touch my face a few times, but besides that, did he have a twitch from Michael Eisner abusing him so much? Oh yeah, yeah. And I said something different. Oh okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh ooh, Riffa, ooh, uh, Aaron, you tell your thing now, and then Zach, you respond to that. Okay. <laughs> oh, you want a pizza pie? <laughs> Whoa! Zach, don't respond to that. Don't respond to that. Song. <laughs> yeah, don't don't get me started. <laughs> You're gonna say someone came in and they're like, I'm from Disney, and they told me that I need to take that Santa Buddies thing home with me in my car. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you want to well, get a pizza I, we, and a Santa Buddy? The best part is we actually sold one copy of that movie, and that lady. <laughs> bought it was all about that special feature really she was, oh, she was evangelized by that she, she, she like, well, have all the coupons she had heard about it beforehand she knew like 
She was ready for the coupon. This really did become the Budcast that we were worried was going to take over. Uh, anyway, so what we are, what we're actually talking about is Conquest of the Planet of the Apes, the fourth uh, movie in the original Planet of the Apes series. Uh, and before we get talking about it, though, Zach, I think you brought a game. Oh wait, hold on. Can we? Zach asked a question yeah. about the theme of the month. Oh yeah, yesterday. Apocalypse, <laughs> which Aww. was originally just. Uh, apocalypse, apocalypse, which was originally just apocalypse. And the theme of the month is uh, animals rising up and taking down their oppressors. Hmm. Uh, so Conquest of the Planet of the Apes was sort of like the key uh, movie of this month that like kind of unlocked the theme for us. And we were like, oh, we should do a handful of movies uh, about this topic. Uh, and then uh, Aaron thought that animals were cute. So he added awe to the theme, and then who knows how many awful puns will be added to the title by next week. Much like the the rift that develops between human society and ape society in this movie, uh, we are we are both fighting for control of how this theme month is pronounced. Our goal is to have like three uh, D chess level puns by the end of uh, this month, right. where the stakes have never been higher. I'm just going to say it. Well, they have to be, because otherwise the dogs will get them. Yeah. Peter lives in California now. He has never been higher. Your joke was better. I missed it. I went on. Zach, let me write you a formal apology. Uh, <laughs> it's a pretty dumb joke, yeah. I'm going to cut out the part where you say it was a dumb joke. So you just sound like all confident and small, Oh, yeah. Like a sexy <laughs> joke, man. Yeah. Maybe you put out one of those whip out your dick sound effects. <laughs> oh, yeah. Just like a floppity flop. Or like a boing. Something like that. <laughs> you need to see a doctor. Uh, so anyway, Zach. I, I saw an eye doctor a, today. Wrong end. See more. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, see more doctors. <laughs> Just see them all. Okay. Um, Zach, you brought a game for us, I believe. Yeah, kind of. Um. <laughs> You know what? Forget about the game. Let's talk about your confidence right now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You're in a safe space. So safe space. My game is, it, it'll be hard to determine the winner, but I'll, I'll do it. Never matters on the show. So it's, it's, it's you against Aaron. You get, sorry, you, Aaron, against Peter. All right. I like the first one better. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to like present scenarios and you're going to tell me whether it's more appropriate to go ape or to go bananas. So uh, first scenario. You are at the mall. You are going to buy the Planet of the Apes 35th anniversary Blu-ray box set. And what do you find out? They are sold out. Would you go ape or would you go bananas? Aaron. What's the calmer one? Because I own it already. Don't you know have, why I'm out you, trying to buy it. You, you, have to, you, have to, you have to just answer. Okay. Well, I'd go, I'd go ape. Uh, that's accurate because going ape is... is uh, is the appropriate response in this situation, so I'll give you one point. Great. That's pretty good. I, I, I'm glad that Aaron went first, now that I've glean, gleaned all this information about the quiz. Peter, in that scenario, what would you do? In that same scenario? Yeah. I would go bananas. No. What did, What just happened, Peter? <laughs> <laughs> it's what I would do, okay? Yeah, but I... what Aaron I, would do. I, I, I'm a different man. I'm the judge of this game, so... Okay, okay let's go. Let's go. You, you would have gone ape. I know it. All right. Hey. Hey, if this game goes the way I think it's gonna go, I'm gonna I'm gonna go bananas, and I'm uh, gonna go ape. Um, so right now the score is Aaron has one point, Peter has zero points. I'm writing that on a 
piece of trash on my desk. The more recaps of scores that you can give us, <laughs> I think the better. <laughs> yeah. Now we're on to second question. And this What's the score? The score is one to zero. All right. So, hey, uh, Zach, if you could refrain from ever saying the score when I'm losing, that'd be okay. Just... All right. But so, only say it when I'm winning, though. Okay. <laughs> only when you're winning, but not when he's losing. Yeah. Hey, can we get a question number two in here? Yeah, question number two. Peter, if you were at a restaurant that's known for serving milkshakes, and you ask, please, waiter, could I have a banana-flavored milkshake? And they say, why, no, sir, we do not serve that. What would be the appropriate response? Going bananas or going ape? I would go ape because it sounds like it would be physically incapable of me to go bananas in such a situation. Hmm. Okay. I'm going to go to Aaron before I give any results. Aaron, (laughs) what would you do in this situation? Well, I mean, there's two things I know right now. One, if I would have gone first, I would have picked Peter's answer for the exact same reason. Here's the other thing I know. Peter was wrong last time at this game. Mm -hmm. From from everything I know, he's never gotten a question right in this game. So Mm -hmm. following him would be suicide. Mm Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go with, uh, I'm going to go ape. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to give Aaron the point. Flawless logic. <laughs> for uh, for logic. One of the uh, defining hallmarks of humankind and not ape kind. I have no no objections so, to how this was run. The score is now two tally marks. Just tell me. Oh. Don't tell him. All right, Aaron, the score is two to zero. Peter. Don't tell Peter, he'll get The so score angry. is undetermined. <laughs> Last question. Because this is not very fun. (laughs) (laughs) Great for me. I'm winning. Peter, you're playing a game ill-conceived and poorly executed on a podcast that you host, and you lose. Never been in that situation. (laughs) (laughs) And you lose this game due to poor judgment on the part of the game's creator and bias. What would you do? Would you go ape? Would you go bananas? Or, third option, neither. Honestly, yes. the way I'm feeling right now, yes. if I had to uh, empathize with myself right. as I'm feeling right now, of if course. I had to do that, hypothetically speaking, I would say that I would go bananas because right now I feel like going bananas. Okay. Oh, Peter, you feel like going bananas? Peter. Oh, yeah. Do you want a hug? Or a banana? We're gonna, banana. I'm going to pretend like I just said Aaron and not Peter. Okay, great. We're, we fused. <laughs> <laughs> we are become one. Aaron, in that situation... What would Peter do? Ugh. I mean, he said that he would go bananas, but he hasn't been right yet. So I'm going to go with, he's going to go ape. I'm going to have to give Aaron the point. I don't see why not. <laughs> Aaron, you, you win with a, a final tally of three to Peter's zero. I feel like this game is almost like a good allegory for how like poor people can never get ahead in life. Yeah, basically. <laughs> that was my plan. It was a social satire. <laughs> much like oh, the Planet exactly. of the Apes movies. Oh, oh, much like the Planet of the Apes movies. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I, I tied it you back in. It all back around. <laughs> hey, did you Zach, was that a natural transition? That was a natural transition. Wow. I, it feels like we should probably start talking about the conquest of the planet of the apes. Yeah, probably. Hey, got gu- hey guys, uh, what'd you guys have for dinner? I had a uh, kale enchiladas. No, I had kale quesadillas. I ate the movie Conquest of the Planet of the Apes. Was it good? 
That's why I had to go to the mall to buy another Blu-ray set of the 35th, 35th anniversary of the Blu-ray. <laughs> yeah. I ate the disc for dinner. I'm still processing it. Yeah. Just breaking up in your system slowly. <laughs> um, you have no idea what it looks like. No. But you know what it feels like. Feels like pain. <laughs> I just had a crazy idea. Mm-hmm. Since we're talking about Conquest of the Planet of the Apes, well, we're talking about what we had for dinner. We should Aaron talk about kale. <laughs> we should talk about kale. I had a kale salad the other day that I thought was pretty good. You're in the kale zone. It added enough. It, I added enough um, uh, fat to it from uh, olive oil, right. and I think it, it it dressed it properly, and it, it was nice. It was nice and soft and, and uh, well massaged. Yeah. What do you think about kale? Peter, instead of the kale story, why don't you regale our listeners with the muffin story that you told me this morning? Hmm. Great muffin story, guys. Great I don't know if there's kale. Hey, Zach, it. if you have thoughts about kale, I don't give a shit anymore. We've moved on, story. Zach. Okay. Jesus Move Christ. On. My friend. Uh-huh. Move on. Dot org. It's muffin time, baby. Um, Zach, do you have any muffin stories? Uh, Hold on to them. Okay. <laughs> don't want them. Save them for the end of the show. All right. <laughs> That's going to be the open muffin forum. People are going to be waiting for the muffin story now. Uh, yeah. Okay. My girlfriend made healthy muffins mm. with uh, a yogurt instead of milk. Mm. And she also and she used some sort of uh, alternative to flour. I don't know if it was like tapioca flour or what. And they were they they were they were it was bone meal they muffins. They bone meal. Yes. <laughs> Yes, uh, she ground up ape. Uh, the family goat gave the rest to Satan. Yeah, and then but she allotted herself one femur. Sure, and she made a muffin with it. And uh, stories uh, changed. She, she made the muffins, and they weren't the greatest muffins I've ever had. What flavor? Kind of. Uh, they had blueberries in it. The blueberry ah, muffins those were, those were ruined. Blueberry muffins are the best kind of muffins. That's what I'm saying here. It's a fact. She was operating under a handicap, made wide, wise choices under the situation. Uh, after she left this morning on a trip, uh, I ate half the muffin <laughs> with uh, peanut butter on it because uh, no matter my size, I will always be a fat person. <laughs> a great big fat person. Do me, do, me, uh, do me a favor. Hold that thought for one second. I'll be back in like 10 seconds. No one else okay. talk. Okay. Hey, Zach. Sidebar. Yeah. Um. What do you? What do you? I mean, I know Aaron said to wait till the end of the show, but like, what do you think about muffins? Apart from the blueberry thoughts, I think uh, I like a blueberry muffin. I, I, I even like blueberry muffins. Don't get mad at me. Okay, the, when it's one of those bad. Oh, we weren't we weren't talking about anything. I brought the crickets over, but they started making a different noise for that story. <laughs> they did not like being run from one room to the other. They're making a quicker, angrier noise. Yeah. Yeah, well, cricketing is like a distinctly quiet, sort of like somber nighttime noise. And I imagine being um, uh, in an earthquake as a giant shakes you in a glass container is... Uh, bound to disrupt them somewhat you may hear but when you're when you're editing you may hear this they they sound like they're talking amongst themselves and are not happy right yeah they're like we should have stayed in the grass with the grasshoppers um instead we're going to be fed to aaron's uh chameleon nice you have not to we we were going to feed him to chameleon air but he's not available you actually have a chameleon 
Yeah, and we actually have critic crickets, and uh, normal every cricket that my wife has purchased has been smaller, and they don't make the cricket noise. Oh, wow. And today they have been unbearably loud. Like I said to Peter, I think they knew we were recording an episode tonight. <laughs> I yeah. thought this was a like a, a bit inside joke that I had no clue of. Not, and then turns out you're actually talking about physical, literal crickets. Yeah, they're in my hand. Oh, cool. That's the video that he uh, put on my wall, Zachary. Oh, that's that's what that was. Oh, why don't we call him Zachary Taylor Thomas? I don't fucking know. We we should have done that. Like, can we re-record every episode he's been on? Call him ZTT. Uh, yeah. You just have to print me out a transcript. Yeah, yeah, I'd love to. I'd love to. I have a printer and everything. Why not Zachary Ty Bryan? He was an actual. I definitely have a printer. Three named Zachary. Oh, Zachary, Zachary Ty, Ty Bryan. It's not ZTT. That's ZTB. It's better. Yeah, not not as good. All right, I'm going to put my crickets away, and then we can start talking about more kale or a movie or mm. you know, whatever the fuck. Yeah. Oh, shit. I just thought of something. Have you guys ever seen Conquest of the Planet of the Apes? put in a little break here um if you guys want to like just free associate shubla shubla that's what free associate means right yeah yeah shubla sounds like jambalaya yeah yeah now we're in new orleans we're cooking up some jambalaya we're getting we're getting the stew going baby yeah i always dreamed that we would turn into you talking you two to me I don't know what that means. <laughs> but I'm laughing at it. I don't even know why. Uh, okay. Um, uh, I guess I'm the five-second uh, recap. So yeah. uh, five-second recap is uh, Caesar the Ape takes back control and brings about the eventual Planet of the Apes. Pretty good. Pretty good. Um, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna do like 90 seconds on this baby. Um, so Caesar, who is a monkey, uh, perhaps even an ape. Ape, yeah. Uh, Caesar, who is an ape, uh, is traveling with Ricardo Montalban, uh, as part of a circus and they go, uh, visit the big city, which is very different than the way he, he grew up. Uh, if you've seen Escape from the Planet of the Apes, you know, uh, how Caesar ended up in the custody of Ricardo Maltabon. Uh, I won't. You're not going to hear it from us. Yeah, apparently. all you know is he's a super intelligent ape from the future. Uh, gets adopted by a circus to prote- help protect him from mankind who wants to kill him. Caesar goes to the big city. Um, he gets caught up in um, a situation. Uh, Ricardo Montalban tries to protect him from this new oppressive government that has um, not only has mankind adopted me apes, chimps, and gorillas, and even orangutans. Are there any other types? Like just those three. Yeah, there's orangutans briefly, but I think that in the um, in this movie at least we just see uh, chimps and gorillas primarily. Anyways, 
we see them, uh, they're, they're, they become almost like oppressed slaves. Like they've transcended the idea of a household pet. And because of their intelligence, like now do like, they'll pour your whiskey for you. And they're like, go pick up your laundry and shit. And apes are kind of trusted with these tasks. And the reason that it, it was kind of a contrived reason that it happened, it's because every dog and cat, I think, died on Earth because of a space virus. Regardless, yeah. that, that opened up a vacuum that the apes had to fill. Uh, the apes are treated like shit by humans. Uh, eventually, Caesar awakens them to the injustice that they're forced to deal with every day. Uh, the animals uh, rise up with the help of Caesar. They overthrow the government. And yeah, at the, the end of the movie, basically, Caesar has completely organized these, these apes into a revolution. And it is hinting, basically, that... You know, the next movie is supposed to be the first movie, Planet of the Apes, where the apes have completely taken over and mankind is, is this subjugated race that can't even speak. They've been so grounded into the dirt. So, yeah, that's conquest for the Planet of the Apes. Yep. It is. It is. Uh, and I, you did a great job, Peter. Thank Don't you, let anyone man. tell you otherwise. Thank you. So, so Thank yeah, you. let's you, – you know what? You're welcome. I don't know what this show is anymore. Uh <laughs> I don't know who I am anymore. Uh, yeah, who am I? This is a bad time for an identity crisis mid-podcast. Uh, so anyway, so this this let's talk a little bit about our general thoughts, our experience with this movie. Um, I will say I um, I watched it for the first time last year. I'd only seen the first Planet of the Apes movie uh, and seen it many times. And then finally I bought the box set last year and I was uh, home for a few days. And I'm like, I'm going to go through these four movies. And uh, this was my favorite, uh, besides the original. I think we'll do a quick ranking at some point of the plan of the original five uh, Planet of the Apes movie. But yeah, this was by far this kind of felt like a bomb throw of a movie uh, in a series that was never afraid to uh, kill people or shoot a baby or blow up the planet or all these other all these other things. So upon rewatch, uh, again, holds up really well. It's it's a on the nose movie that. Uh, the term subtlety like melts away and screams crying, but <laughs> it feels so angry and vital and alive that the lack of subtlety is almost immediately replaced with the hootspot of what they're doing. Like this is kind of insane. They took this ape series, this this <laughs> science fiction movie that was on its fourth sequel and made like this almost like a parallel to the Nat Turner slave rebellion and talked about civil rights and the, the state of racial tension in America in the 70s. Like that is a crazy brave thing to do for your fourth sequel to a science fiction movie. So I, I loved it. I will say uh, on this watch. I, so I had the box that I watched the uncut version the first time, watched it again this time. Uh, you know, I figured uncut, maybe there'd be a couple scenes here and there. I didn't realize that the whole gist of the ending uh, was different in the theatrical. Peter let me know um, a couple days ago, said, hey, make sure you watch both endings because we're going to talk about it. And I'm like, holy shit, there's a – the ending's different? So I watched that. And I guess in some ways it makes a little more sense to me how this was released because it kind of – uh, the theatrical release holds back instead of punching like the uncut does at the very end. But regardless, I mean, that uncut version is is just – it's dynamite. It's literally dynamite. There's no reason to watch the theatrical. 
I think once you have access to the uncut, there's no reason to watch the theatrical. It's such a compromised vision and it doesn't make any goddamn sense. Aaron summarized it actually pretty perfectly. This is a movie that I think Aaron and I fall very close on. It's my favorite of the Planet of the Apes movies in the original series. Uh, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes is actually my favorite of all of them. And then this would be number two. Hopefully war makes uh, this all more competitive. Uh, But I love basically all of them. I even like Battle, which is like basically feels like a TV movie version of the series. But anyways, um, Aaron pretty much summed it up. And yeah, like like he said, it has almost no subtlety, but I kind of like the purity of the broadness of it. Uh, it reminds me a lot of Snowpiercer, where people were giving Snowpiercer shit for being like a little too broad or like being a little bit too um, focused on just these like class politics. And they're like decided like, well, if you want to be a class politics movie, why don't you just be about that? Why do you have to have all these knife fights and shit in it? <laughs> That was people missing the point, uh, basically. This movie feels like that, where I think the broadness actually helps um, get you excited about rising up over these oppressors, and it gets you more involved as an emotional being, and it helps you associate with these these uh, oppressed, um, these downtrodden people, or apes in this case. It feels like they were trying to make a statement that people couldn't miss. Like, they did not want this to be seen as like, oh, this kind of reminds me of this. Like, the people that made this movie wanted people to stand up and pay attention to what they were doing. Yeah, and I've I've said before, I'll get into it more, but I've said before often that I think uh, subtlety is overrated. And that... I uh, I saw your chest tattoo. (laughs) (laughs) That works on two levels. That'd be an awesome chest tattoo. Yeah. I've said before, especially in regards to the film, I think subtlety is overrated. And I, and I think that, like, there's something to be said for a movie like this that, and Snowpiercer that just, like, grabs onto your id. I uh, I was actually surprised Aaron had not seen this movie until recently because I had not seen any of the Planet of the Apes movies until a year or two ago. And I watched all of them in a row. And I was like, holy shit, like, these are still good. You know, usually you're like, I'm going to run the series. And then, like, around, like, Friday the 13th, part <laughs> four, you're like, okay, maybe I'm not going to do them all. I'm going to stop the series. Um, yeah. <laughs> you never really get through all, you get through, you get to, like, Jason Goes to Hell, and you're like, actually, that's not. Um, so this series, I just kept going and going, and it became, like, one of my favorite film experiences especially like run the series things and uh yeah this is my favorite of the original movies all right zach attack what's your what's your history with the series zach or what do you think of this movie i'm gonna first say peter you should give some credit to the person who suggested that you watch all of them i should yeah um so the sam scott take a bow (laughs) (laughs) but no so i uh I saw yeah, it. Thank you very much, Zach. It was a great, it was yeah. a great, you gave me a little bit of encouragement and I was like, okay, I don't know if I actually want to watch all of them. And they were all on HBO Go at the time. Yeah. And I was just like, oh, I'm going to watch all of them. I saw all of these movies with my grandfather about 15 years ago. I think we watched one of those, the AFI 100 Greatest Movies, 100 Greatest Thrills. One of those list shows they used to do. They had a clip from the Planet of the Apes on there and... My grandfather and I, my grandfather was like, oh, you've never seen the Planet of the Apes. He goes, so we either rented it or it happened to come on TV during a marathon. And he made a point of us watching it. Quick pause. Yep. Is this the same grandpa who uh, brought beans into a restaurant? Yep. <laughs> it's our call back to episode five. I Check didn't know if I here. told that story on here. Yeah. I've told you everything I know. 
Um, <laughs> <laughs> about grandpas and beans. At least. Yeah. <laughs> and so, uh, same the bean yeah, market's it's, cooked. It's it's the bean guy. But no, so he's uh he made sure we watched him, and uh, and I so I loved him back then as a kid. Of course, a lot of this stuff went right over my head. Not long after I recommended Peter to watch them. I went like, you know, I should watch them all again. I don't even remember most of them. So I bought them all, and then I watched the first two, and then I didn't really watch any of them for a while. And then whenever Peter and Aaron asked me to be on, I watched Escape and Conquest again very recently. I enjoyed them as much, if not more, than I did as a kid, probably because I appreciate some of what they're doing now. I, I agree with Aaron. It's not a subtle movie, but it's like... Who who cares? Like, <laughs> I, I, I don't want a subtle movie. I want a movie like this. It's just kind of grabs you by the balls and don't let go. Before we get into more of talking about this movie, let's do a quick let's do a quick ranking of the original series. Okay. Oh um, yeah. Uh, we probably because we probably won't. I mean, I can see us doing other Planet of the Apes movies, but to be honest, it feels like the original has been talked uh, to death. And of the other four, I, this is definitely the most interesting one to talk about, even though I like I like all of them. Uh, they, they do kind of fall even I'll, you don't know, even say that the Burton one, it kind of all falls into the kind of that Godzilla or James Bond uh, category where, you know, the thing about a Godzilla movie is that even the worst Godzilla movie has Godzilla in it. Yeah. And even the, even the worst James Bond movie, well, it's still got James Bond in it. I like that. Yeah. And the worst Planet of the Apes movie still has, you know. Apes versus men, uh, and it's yeah. it's entertaining. So the the original uh, five, I would rank Planet of the Apes. I'd rank Conquest. I'd rank Escape, Battle, and I'd actually rank beneath uh, number five. It, it the last twenty minutes of that movie is fantastic. Uh, getting there is a boring, repetitive slog. So I would say that I still like it, okay, uh, but I would say beneath is my. My least favorite, um, and I, I, I actually rank Rise over Dawn, and I think the Burton one is is fine. Uh, yeah, if I were, so we're gonna do all of them. No, I, I just did. I, sorry, I'm just gonna now. I'm just gonna say apes. I know, uh, apes. I met uh, Toby Tyler meets a gorilla. MVP, apes. the most valuable primate. Yeah, Dunstan checks in. Uh, number one. Curious uh, George. Haven't seen it. Sounds good. So I, I very confusingly ranked the first five and then just gave general opinions on the other three. Right. <laughs> Zach, do you have uh, – you can rank them however the fuck you want. Uh, Zach, do you have a series order? Or do you want yeah, to go next? Yeah. My favorite of them all is Dawn. Oh, yeah. And then after that comes the original, then Conquest, then Beneath, then Rise, then Escape. And I haven't seen Battle in long enough to say, but it's probably I like it more than the Tim Burton one because the Tim Burton one just feels really oddly inert to me. I don't know. The Tim Burton one is I've watched the Tim Burton one recently. It's uh, really horrible. Yeah. Only two things notable about it, and it's uh, one that ape makeup is amazing. Yeah, that's ape great effects. Yeah, I mean, like, not including Rise and Dawn because they did a digital thing and they actually mm-hmm. tried to replicate the actual animals instead of people in, in masks. Yeah. The, that is the best, I guess, if you include the six oldest movies. Yeah. Uh, I think the, the Tim Burton one is the best makeup. It's pretty insane. Um, and uh, that's another thing about the series. The makeup gets worse as they go along. 
Uh, in battle, they're basically just rubber masks because they just kept cutting their budget. Yeah, I want I want to talk about the makeup. So Peter Rank, and then I want I, I want to go right into the. So yeah, I think the only thing, and the only other notable thing about the Tim Burton one is that it uh, is that it has uh, Paul Giamatti playing a human seller. That's right. And Paul Giamatti is also a human seller in Twelve Days or uh, Twelve Years a Slave. Oh, I never even connected that. It's a very weird connection that like he like he was like. I'm going to play like the worst human being possible in uh, both as a monkey <laughs> and as a human. Um, anyways, so uh, in my, my ranking order, I guess, would be Dawn as well. My, my order is actually pretty similar to Zach's. Dawn, Conquest, Planet. Let's say uh, Escape, Rise, Beneath, and Battle. Actually, Battle, I'm, I'm going to put... Beneath above battled only because the last 30 minutes of Beneath are really audacious. Like, they're crazy, and, like, it's just, like, such a gut punch. Like, the first half of Beneath is, like, a remake of the original Planet of the Apes with, like, a guy that's, like, you know, he's no Charlton Heston, but he's okay. (laughs) Which is just, like, not enticing. But the last half of it is so fucking weird that, like, it gets some points, but, um... Yeah, that and battle are interchangeable because battle's just fun. It's just like apes and humans shooting at each other, and it's like a big, it's a big set piece movie. But like, um, yeah, my, my series order is pretty pretty similar to Zach's. I, I Dawn is just like it's like Children of Men plus a Planet of the Apes movie. <laughs> I was like, oh, I didn't know I wanted that. Thank you. It's so weird that I'm one of the few. I like I really like Dawn, but I'm I, I seem to be one of the few people that actually prefers Rise. I think the that is weird. I think the emo, I think the emotional climax of that movie. Where he yells no in the zoo cage is like the biggest emotional moment in any Planet of the Apes movie. Rise is great when it's a prison movie, right? Uh, when it's it's a uh, all the apes conspiring against their horrible uh, yeah jailkeeper, so to speak. Uh, and yeah, when it's grand illusion. Yes, <laughs> and then the final battle is obviously amazing. It's uh, all the James Franco stuff that I really resent in that movie and drags it down in my estimation. Though the movie overall is like, like you said, like the, the no moment is like gives you shivers. And that's fucking Andy Serkis doing like phys- an amazing physical performance. And I assume he did the no, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, maybe it's modulated to make it deeper than any human voice could hit, but pretty, pretty crazy stuff. Andy Serkis uh, had the the surgery to turn him into a monkey. Yeah. <laughs> replaced his lungs, <laughs> replaced his diaphragm, his vocal cords. He's like part ape now, which is great because he's in all the King Kong movies. Yep. He's in yeah. the Planet of the Apes movies. It sucks that he did it for King Kong for Peter Jackson, and then he had to get it undone so he could play other roles, and then he got it redone because, you know, a gorilla is not a chimp, so, or yeah. I guess a, a King Kong is not a chimp. Yeah, he's like the Daniel Day-Lewis of mocap. <laughs> yep. Horribly ill-advised Dr. Moreau, Daniel Day-Lewis. Yeah, yeah. uh, <laughs> tune in next week. Uh so a couple things about the series as a whole uh, before before we continue. Uh, I so my wife so my wife so my wife watched part of this movie with me, and she was like, "Well, how?" She was asking questions about how Caesar got to where he was and stuff like that. So I went point by point and explained the series, and I thought she was going to commit me by the end because. <laughs> Uh, and I love that about this series, just because there's so much. You know, if I were to explain to anyone all ten Jason movies, be like, okay, so then there's some campers, and then he kills him, and then it was the mom, and then in this one, like, 
there's so much plot in these movies <laughs> that I find it really refreshing. Uh, you know, I could only think of one other example of a series where that has this many movies and the the series as a whole is cyclical. Like the the first one goes to the fifth one and then the fifth one leads right back into the first <laughs> one. The only other series I could think of was Final Destination. Oh, is that what happens in Final Destination? They're basically different groups of kids and there's some loose connections between them. But the end of the fifth one leads right into the first one, hmm. essentially. And the fifth one's actually the, the second best uh, movie on like the Planet of the Apes. But really, can you think of like these movies work? as uh, one cycle that's yeah. an ongoing circle. It's it's really kind of... And I'd always heard that basically after the first one, the movies as a whole were dismissed and they're all really good. They're all doing kind of different things for the most... They work in a way that I not that many movie series that we're just trying to capitalize um, do. And I watched them because of Peter, actually. Because I'd seen the first one many times and when Peter went through them, I'm like, oh, I'm, I picked... This set was like 20 bucks on Amazon. I picked it up and... So, Zach, you were kind of responsible for me watching them. As Which well. is... Zach, you're like my dad, and Aaron's like my baby. I was going to say, it's like much, a baby boy. much like the you're Planet of the Apes series, boy. our viewing relationship is cyclical, because I caused Peter to watch them, who caused you to watch them, who caused me to re-watch them for this podcast. Guys, shut it down. <laughs> we're not going <laughs> to get better than the fact that Mind life blown. has imitated art. Yep. <laughs> so let's talk about we t we kind of touched on the makeup. I kind of want to get into that right away because I think the makeup does get worse. But here's what's super interesting. I think this movie looks better than Escapes. And I watched well, Escape only has to do two. I disagree yeah, because Escape uh, only has to do two people's makeup. Essentially, that's true. I think Caesar's looks better than either Cornelius's or Zero's did in Escape. It might be the same mask because it's right <laughs> yeah. <all the> times. <laughs> Maybe it is. Uh, Here's what's interesting, though. I do think in trying to advance the time, 18 years between that movie and this one, there's a lot of little funny leaps of faith you need to take with the movie. <laughs> like you need to you need to really put aside a lot of questions. And, and that's fine. But the but the makeup one I really like because so the original plan of the apes movie. Basically, you watch that and you go, okay, yeah, these these don't look like the, the apes that I'm used to seeing at the zoo because at the end, at first you think they're mutants or different alien apes. And then at the end of the movie, you're like, okay, so it's been hundreds of years. This is what apes have evolved into. And that goes to uh, the Beneath. And you think the same for Escape when it's just two apes from the future that come back into the 70s. What this movie posits is that, nope, that's what apes always look like. Because all the apes, uh, it's 18 years after, they all look like the Planet of the Apes makeup apes. And I get why they did that, but it, it really kind of recontextualizes what the what the what all of the movies were expecting us to buy. Because <laughs> it makes the first movie go that we should have went and said, oh, yeah, that's, that's what apes look like. <laughs> It's true. <laughs> I, I had a thought, like, while I was watching it, I thought, you know, these look nothing like apes. Like, they all, all the chimps have kind of a unique, like, haircut almost, which obviously is there just to make the, you know, to hide the neck on the, uh, you know, actor playing them. But, like, I do think it is, like, interesting. Like, I never really question it, and this is just because I have no critical faculties, but I never really questioned until this one, like, that's not what an ape looks like. And I think it's because this is the first one where, where you're supposed, there's supposed to be apes in 
what's, you know, modern times, or 1991 at least. I, I felt it more up against the gorilla. Because gorillas are so fucking big and popular yeah. and they can't, they can't, the hump is so much more pronounced and they're like, you wouldn't confuse the silhouette for a human ever, but like, I feel like when chimps walk upright, like as we've seen in the hit film MVP, Most Valuable Primate, a chimp walking upright, like kind of takes on somewhat of a human appearance. Yeah. I mean, like a human with a lot of swagger, I guess. It's got a little kink in his step, you know, because they're, like, not supposed to be walking that way. Did you watch MVP recently, Peter? <laughs> no, I watched Air Bud. Oh, Air um, Bud. Air Bud. I bought it more for the chimps, but then when they started reeling out more gorillas, I was like, oh, yeah, like, this is supposed to line up with the original movies where they're supposed to be super advanced apes, and gorillas don't look like that, and gorillas are way bigger than chimps, but they, like, cast the same actors as extras for gorillas and chimps. Yeah. Basically making them the same monkey, but in different jumpsuits and with different masks. Now, <laughs> yeah, on... this movie doesn't just ask you to suspend disbelief. This movie is sort of like, look, take your disbelief. I need you to drown it in a bathtub because you need to buy the following. A, this is what apes have always looked like don't believe your lying eyes b <laughs> every dog and cat succumb to a plague three everyone decided immediately to go well, i guess we'll keep apes as pets now we have no other options four within eight years of that decision they decided don't like this pet thing getting a little nervous about it <laughs> let's enslave them and totally displace our working class and then build an entire economy around keeping the ape slaves doing everyone's bidding. So that's a lot that you need to buy in order for this movie to go down. And I think, and the reason I'm bringing it up, because obviously I said I love it, I do buy it. I can see why this movie was sort of, at the time of its release, sort of dismissed. Because it is asking you to swallow these really big pills to get on board with the movie's wavelength. And I don't blame someone who gets a little bit caught up in, this is ridiculous. <laughs> Having said that, if you can get past that, which I think is easier to do now that 40 years have passed, I think this movie is fantastic. Yeah. They, they had a story that they wanted to tell. Yeah. And they just wanted to get all the pieces into place as quickly as possible to tell that story. So I think it's worth now kind of getting into what that story is and this this there may be a lot of uh, hemming and hawing from us as we talk about it because you know we are three white guys and this movie is very like explicitly about uh the the black experience both currently in the 70s but also historically in our country's history yeah and i think it's both i, I agree uh and also just to double down on what you're saying um Every horror movie, every sci-fi movie has a buy-in. And if you don't buy in, like, pretty early, uh, you are just not going to have a good time. Like, yeah. That's why if you don't like... Like, there are people that just don't get slasher movies. And they're like, I just don't get why these tropes exist. Like, I just get mad when I watch them. And you're like, okay, if you don't get these set of tropes, like, you're just not going to... You're not going to have a good time. With this movie, it, it puts... And this is kind of the weird advantage of info dump sci-fi movies. This movie isn't as bad as a lot of movies. Like, I guess the worst would do be Dune. But, like, this movie doesn't have, like, the worst info dump. But, like, the advantage of that is kind of, like, in the first 20 minutes, you can tell whether or not you're going to be on board. 
But, Dune's uh, the best because the person explaining it goes away and comes back and and tells you, "Oh yeah, I forgot one thing." <laughs> like even yeah. the even the movie was like, "Oh shit, there's yeah. so much information I forgot." <laughs> and they like couldn't re-edit it back into her speech or something. It's so weird. Zardoz has one that makes the movie more confusing. It's it's, it's a weird thing. So uh, I agree with Aaron that you have to. It's a it's an it has a a buy-in. And, but what? Let's just assume. Do you guys want to just assume we've all made the buy-in that these yeah. are chimps and gorillas, and we're just going to watch this movie almost like a, like a limited but production movie that's like trying to hint at something bigger. So Aaron said that this movie is about the black experience in America, which is true. It's specifically talking about riots, like the Watts riot and other like uh, race riots that happened across the U.S. because of civil rights abuses. Um, because black people were treated like second-class citizens or third-class citizens even uh, in this country and still are. In a lot Put of him ways. mildly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. They were treated like, like no-class citizens. Yeah, which is weird because like I said huh. that in a very like uh, textbook historical way and that still would piss off. Like, <laughs> it wouldn't <laughs> a solid subsection of Trump voters. It, it wouldn't be wrong to say they're treated like cattle in some points yeah. in yeah. history. Well, like like exactly. animals, which is kind of yeah. what this movie is, yeah, underlining. And so this movie has a ton of a, to, a ton of hints about the black experience, but this movie, and I'll get into this later, sort of reminds me of Cloud Atlas, where while being about the black experience today, uh, as today meaning 1970, unfortunately, it still resonates today um, with, you know, Ferguson. Holy shit. I, was, I watched this movie the first time when I was still had Ferguson very fresh on my mind, and I was like... Holy shit, like this is this is a movie that I think like speaks to me as someone who's just like pissed off about civil rights in this country and yeah. we haven't gotten that much better. It also is sort of like Cloud Atlas in that I feel like both movies being sci-fi also are viewing it from this almost like uh, I don't even know what the term would be like global cross millennial universal perspective where it's like almost post-racial where it's like we as because there are black people are oppressors in this movie too. Well, and they're very um, prominent, and I was I, I wanted to bring that up as a question. Maybe we can circle back to it, but yeah. I almost feel like I watched a documentary where the director made some sort of point about why he did that, and I don't remember the documentary. I couldn't find it. And I don't remember the point. There's the conversation Caesar has with, I, and I don't remember the guy. I don't remember anyone's name except for Caesar, and I just literally watched it. But uh, that's how I am. Uh, but there's the conversation Caesar has with the. Uh, with the like one black McDonald. character, McDonald, that was his name. He has with McDonald, and it's when McDonald basically agrees to let him go. McDonald obviously is having this crisis of conscience because he's like the right hand man, like the lackey for the governor, who is like this dictator figure who kind of is, seems to be engineering not just the enslavery of the apes, but the animosity that people have towards the apes that keep, makes them want them to be enslaved. And, tr- and think of them as, you know, animals. Uh, I know that doesn't make any sense to say, but to treat them, you know, like garbage. I haven't seen a documentary, but, it, I mean, it, it makes sense thematically that this character who ends up kind of being a pivotal, having a pivotal role, is someone who would know that history and would have had even direct experience with the civil rights movement and with a time well, when yeah, he... it's, it's tre- 1990, like... Yeah, this, it's this, only this 1991. Movie, it's 1991. <laughs> Yeah, like 1991 yeah. is it's it's feasible you know, not that far removed. Even, oh yeah, even if the pets died, like I yeah, it's feasible that character in the movie would have grown up during segregation. 
Yeah. So he, yeah. So here he is in 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 a position of pretty significant power, and he's being forced to reconcile what he knows of his own struggle in the past with what he's seeing as a concurrent, like a, a, a struggle that's basically mirroring and doing the exact same thing that he went through. That's what, and that, I mean, it even explicitly, Caesar appeals to him with that saying, you, you went through this, you, you know this. Yeah, and, and I guess that's why I'm a little worried, and I feel like this isn't the point, and I wish. Yeah. I, was trying, I was trying to find some analysis on it, and I just didn't find it, because I feel like the point has the potential to be a, a as a point that I'm not a hundred percent comfortable with, and I hope this isn't the case. Which is, which is essentially the movie is saying because like when they are training all of the all of the apes about how to do their their tasks, it is all uh, black actors training them on how to do it. They're very prominent in this movie, and and most of the time I would applaud how large of a of a cast they had that was, you know, not just a bunch of white people like a lot of movies from the 70s. Yeah. Here it feels like a like a almost a point about how quickly someone who experienced uh, you know, uh, s- slavery and being oppressed and not being treated as equals can can turn on people in the same way. And I really hope that's not the point of this movie, but I'm but I just I don't know if there's something else I'm missing. Uh, taking what you're saying, uh, we're saying like how quickly people oppress other people. I think that's actually kind of a, a, a um, optimistic, uh, progressive point the movie is trying to make is that like it's saying, yes, the biggest problem today is how we're treating black people. But also let's not uh, forget that like on a, on a global perspective that like as history has gone on, we have oppressed so many people and we have to constantly be vigilant about oppression and constantly be vigilant about equality and don't just like pat yourself on the back on the back because we had a black president or don't pat yourself on the back because you know an affirmative action vote passed yeah that's i mean they obviously don't have the history of slavery and stuff like that but you you do make a good point that uh while they don't have the same they 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 definitely um were were outcasts not to the level as uh, African Americans, but they were treated like garbage because this movie does not back down, especially in the director's original vision in the uncut. The ending of this movie is basically uh, Caesar leading the revolt, then killing everyone. The governor telling him, uh, "You know, you know, you can't do this. You can't stop me." McDonald begging for mercy, and Caesar giving this like firebrand speech. This this like jolting to this day through your spine about fuck you it's a it's the slaves right to overthrow the system any system that would keep slaves is not a system worth saving on any level we're gonna burn the whole thing down how dare you even ask me to not burn it down because you saw how it was working and then kills the governor (laughs) so that is i i it's not good to be speechless on a podcast, but that's how I feel about the ending to this movie. It's pretty. It's pretty heavy. The theatrical cut is way more optimistic and I think more li- liberally pleasing. Yeah. Sorry, we didn't really explain what happened between the two cuts. There are two cuts in the movie, and the biggest substantial change is the ending. Obviously, um, as happens with this stuff, because uh, endings are very important to people. Notice how I'm still mad about high tension, like eight years later. Um, 
So the ending was brought to the producers and they wanted uh, something a bit more positive, a bit less bleak. They wanted something that people would walk out of the theater and go say like, hey, you should see this movie. It's like a fun, like exciting movie. Uh, and the or the unrated cut ending is so fucking bleak. So the end of the unrated cut is like Caesar vowing more bloodshed. Basically, it leads really well into the first Planet of the Apes because it would re- require a massive policy shift from the uh, the apes <laughs> to be able to get to the world of Planet of the Apes. Uh, in the theatrical cut, Caesar is like backs off of it with the help of not Zira, who's the the woman that he's sort of attached to for the film. It's a there's a woman ape. I don't know if she even has a name. Maybe she does. She has like two lines in the movie, and in the unrated cut, one of them is cut. Um, and she says no at the end to like try and like talk down Caesar's uh, violence, uh, and he's like touched by the act of like uh, pity, and then Caesar gives a. a a speech at the end. He's like, "I'm not going to do this, but uh, I'm I'm mad, and we're gonna we're gonna work to work with you guys a little bit." So it actually kind of leads into battle better, dealing with each other. But like one class is clearly superior to the other. Yeah, and here's so so here's the other thing I think that the the movie does really well with its point. So the first thing is the way that everything kind of becomes about slavery, that the idea of like, you can't just have a a culture or a civilization that has slaves and it doesn't immediately become like the main focus of, of the civilization or the culture itself. One of the kind of rewriting is history is this idea of, you know, the South pre-Civil War is like, there were all these wonderful people and they were doing these things. And yes, they were farming and there were some slaves on some farms. When, like, the actuality is that, like, that was their entire world almost in some ways revolved around these plantations and the slave trade and all this kind of stuff. And this movie, I think, demonstrates that really well, how everything, there's, like, the entire government is basically about supervising their enslaved population because when you are keeping a people against their will the amount of infrastructure you need to put into place and then selling people that don't want to be sold it's not the same as selling i mean you think how much infrastructure it is to sell inanimate objects that we sell to each other now like the infrastructure to sell uh, enslaved people is all encompassing and permeates everything and this movie does a really good job of showing that like that their entire culture has been uprooted to support this new uh, slave-based economy. Yeah, it, it, they shot it at UC Irvine's campus, which is kind of a beautifully modern campus, and I think saved them a lot of money from having to build sets like they did in the original Planet of the Apes. Um, and it feels like they're in this new world where it's just like humans just go from shopping center to shopping center and restaurant to restaurant, and then the apes are like herded from place to place like cattle. It's very... There were like three or four, maybe even more times where I specifically thought of Django Unchained. It's all the Tupac on the soundtrack. Yeah. (laughs) And it's not too far-fetched for me to believe that Tarantino is both a fan of this movie and was conscious of that and the the biggest way i thought about it was both in that and like what peter's talking about how it just deals with like the infrastructure of slavery but also in in the character i don't know i don't know his name of ricardo montalban's character con 
Yeah, but playing a character, Ricardo Montalban. Yeah. Reminded me so much of Dr. Uh, King Schultz from Django Unchained and how he's like totally for Caesar. He he is all about this like revolt and he'll keep this facade up until he just can't anymore. Yeah, that's a really that's a really good point that didn't even occur to me. Like that it's that very is the same Django. type of like, yeah. he, he he is so like done with these humans and he's a, and he's a human like he ultimately stands to lose from that association and that doesn't bother him it's interesting to see him going from like that initial really calm composed under questioning to when they have him under that torture device and like he's fallen apart and he's just like oh forget this and just goes after him it's a very similar character and i kind of i kind of liked that like that he's this just like unwavering ally he's like yeah like this is ridiculous. I'm not going to, like, support this redonkulous system. Although he probably didn't say redonkulous. It, it's interesting <laughs> also because it, it is very Django-y. It's supposed to get your blood boiling. Yeah. It's supposed to make you want to rise up and every and every kill... I guess Django leans more into this because every kill against a white person in that movie is fucking hilarious and awesome. <laughs> yeah. And then every kill against a, a black person, every death of a, a black person in Django is yeah. tragic and awful and he often cuts away in a very un quentin tarantino way yeah um but this movie is a little bit more like we're gonna show you ambivalent and everything yeah in a similar way i did think there's a little bit of ambivalence in the last in the final stretch like as you're when everyone's being murdered yeah like and maybe ambivalence is even too soft. Like it definitely feels like the movie's like you you do you you get into it because you're like yeah these guys have what's coming, but you're also like this is a little horrific. Like the horror of it sinks in. Not to harp too much on Tarantino, but it reminded me of Inglorious Bastards in that way. How you really you you think you're going into this movie seeing oh we're gonna see some Nazis get slaughtered, and like every time it happens it's kind of gross, and you're like hold on, like, this, I'm not feeling the rah-rah like I thought I was going to. And I think everyone kind of went into Inglorious Bastards thinking <laughs> yeah. it's going to be Kill Bill, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's saying, yes, it's just. Your violent uh, overthrow yeah. of your oppressors is just. But is it good in yeah. a moral sense? I think it's doing something a little bit different. I, mm-hmm. agree, I agree with you, there is the question of just. But I think the other reason why this movie and Inglorious bastards and other movies like that handle it so well is you're right they're saying that this is just but revolution is not fun yeah and it's not something that you're actually you know the people that go through that kind of violent uprising don't cheer at the end you know Mm -hmm. oh yeah the best thing that they feel is like that changed me negatively (laughs) and was a harrowing life-altering experience and i lost friends but it was worth it. And it's very easy in, in movies that depict violence. It's like the old saying about like all all war movies are pro-war. I think it's very easy in movies that depict a, viol- a violence uh, against an oppressor for you in your, in, in your seat at home to, to mentally cheer what's going on. Yeah. And movies that handle that question really well. It's not about, I think, even in this case or Inglorious Bastards, was it wrong? Yeah, but it's it's this is it's gross and takes a toll 
on a human being to have to go through this process. Yeah. Yeah. And it, I mean, that's a lot of like Bioshock Infinite is really like a game that challenged that. Like it's a pretty common theme. Snowpiercer is the same way and Snowpiercer turns it on your head in the third act. Uh, it's, it's a common theme where it's saying like, hey, you are in a position where you it is just for you to have a violent overthrow of your oppressor. Uh, but the road there is not going to be shiny and glory. Like, don't look for any, like, pro-revolution propaganda out of it. Yeah. The different kinds of apes or species of apes have basically the same jumpsuits on. So, like, the orangutans are in yellow, I think, and the gorillas are in red, and the chimps are in, like, a green, right? Yeah, that's that's kind of because they borrowed costumes from another movie. That was just more for clarification. But, like, Caesar, to me, what he was wearing, I couldn't help but think about, like, Castro and Guevara. It looked just like the kind of green yeah. fatigues that you always see them in, in the in the revolutionary propaganda. Of course, we know, even by that point in time, kind of what happened with the Cuban Revolution was it, it succeeded, but then turned into something completely different than kind of sought out to be. Well, that's basically what this movie series does, though, because yeah. the, the apes are the bad guys by the time we circle back around to the first one, and battle shows how they become their own worst enemies, and yeah. and so it's it's actually a really good parallel to how revolutions can turn can turn on their head very easily, even if they're started for just reasons. Yeah. You know what, guys? These movies are really good. <laughs> <laughs> I love how every single one of them is worthy. Like, yeah. Battle is battle is still fun, even though it's not saying too much. Um, I think they wanted to do something a little, a little bit more uh, deep. Mm -hmm. And then they were like, oh, our budget is $5. So <laughs> get some monkey masks. Let's have some fun. Yeah. yeah, I love the idea of this hero rising up from the oppressed, and he uh, and he's like the one that has the message. He's the one that can speak to the message. Um, it's kind of exciting in that way, where you're like, oh, we're following like the the, the agent zero of this um, this revolution, and you get to see him sort of uh, not only like organizing people and, and using his particular set of intelligent tricks, like he knows how to read and write. Um, but, uh, yeah, this movie reminds me of Battle of Algiers, in a way. Not yeah. Battle of, Al Battle of Algiers is just following, like, a guy on the street, basically. A guy who takes his orders. Yeah. Um, but it reminds me of... It, it's it's these organized, militarized enemies. And have we talked at all about how they are clearly supposed to be Nazis? That's what you do. You immediately put on that Nazi uniform. Like, well, we're fascists now. <laughs> yeah, the, the black leather outfit, and they're like Nazis. I think I took, when I first watched this movie, I sent a, a screen cap to the Dissolve group that was just a dude wearing black leather and the black, like, officer cap just uh, hitting an ape woman with a nightstick. And I was like, what do you think this movie's saying? <laughs> um, um, let's not race past the point you were making about how he gathers people, because that is a really fun, goofy moment. It's like one of the few yeah. kind of goofy moments in, like, legitimately, like, oh, that's... They could not think of anything, and they did that. That's funny. <laughs> yeah, so there's like there's a moments where they're collecting weapons, and there's moments where the apes are so in. This is this is why the movie is great. The apes are so entwined into the the home life of these people that these people are just totally jaded. They just like go to their their shopping or their restaurants or whatever, and they just like let their apes take care of the, the tasks at home. And they, they trust them with everything. Like they send them to go pick up the laundry. And what's funny is like some, like there's a scene where uh, an ape is uh, 
brings a work order to Caesar, and the work order is to fix the, his his master's gun. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, we want that gun cleaned. Like, he's looking at the work order. But also, we want 150 rounds of ammunition. <laughs> like, <laughs> Caesar, is, Caesar is, like, basically using the system of oppression against these people. And the way that, like, the little trust that the, the, the slaves have been given is being used to flip things on their their head and and the way that i love i love the way these scenes play out because it's sort of a for a movie that probably had what 20 ape extras 30 ape extras like it feels like a lot it, but I it feels really big yeah it doesn't have that many but it's it's uh it feels very big because it's well edited and well shot um but these organized people trying to cramp down these these uh, human oppressors trying to cramp down on the apes uh, towards the end, and the apes just kind of working in the shadows is so so great. What would you guys think of it? Like the Battle of Algiers thing really reminded me of that because the Battle of Algiers is so like matter of fact. Like, and then we did this so that we could get this, and then we did this so we could get this. Yeah, like, very methodical. Yeah, I love revolution movies in general. <laughs> uh, what do you guys think of the, the the revolution, the rising up in general? Like, do you like the way that it was handled, or Caesar's kind of like like watching over their shoulders and being like just shaking his head at them like hey this is fucked up you know this is fucked up right i i think that kind of works symbolically they're not telling the whole story of how we organize it they don't have the time in the movie to do it so it's this idea of like a wise person showing them that they can fight back and that's symbolized in the movie in kind of a goofy way where caesar just stares at them and then they're like have some sort of I don't know, psychic connection where all of a sudden they're smarter and they're, they're doing better and they, they organize with him. And, you know, to, to your point of how ingrained these, the, the, the apes are in everyday life, this really works well with the idea that slavery is also a very incompetent system because up until Caesar kind of imparts his knowledge to them through this, this staring contest, um, the the apes are just absolutely terrible at everything. Uh, they they are they they like the whole first twenty minutes where where Richard Montalban is walking through the city and you're seeing all the different ways that apes are used as slaves. Every single one, and I took a note this time, is you see them doing their job poorly and getting yelled at for like this was this one wasn't supposed to be scared of fire or that's not what I ordered or I. You did my perm wrong, and I'm late for a meeting, which kind of underlines that, hey, if you have a bunch of people uh, forced to do something for their job, they might not be fucking good at it. <laughs> and they might not be enthusiastic about getting shit done. Like or you. learning to be better. If you scrap the morality of it, which, of course, you shouldn't do, it's a terrible system. It's a bad system for actually... Uh, progressing thought about that during the, the scene in the hair hair salon because that lady is just like so like pissed off even before the ape has done something wrong and then she loses it when the ape like makes a mistake i don't even remember what the ape did it wasn't even something significant but i'm just thinking like w would you want someone cutting your hair that doesn't want to do it like i i don't think they would do <laughs> a, a very good job at it because you know they they're not they're not into it like it's am it's amazing how the people in the society have yeah have like accepted this is the reality and then not you think that if someone proposed this and this is eight years in yeah. like they're they should be good at this now everyone is terrible in the main capital where they're organizing it you think that the the populace would have bought this for like a day and been like hey you know what 
Maybe I don't want that fucking monkey bringing me another goddamn pie he ate half of. Like, I'm going to go to the restaurant with the human waiters who don't shit on me while I'm here. How about that? And like, but this society has just been like, oh, no, it's. Look, it's just something we got to get used to because because uh, Spunky the dog died last week. So I guess what other options do we have? Yeah, my dog died. So I had to uh, stop doing anything but eating pie. And <laughs> yeah. it's just it's not my choice. But, um, you know, the dog used to go to work for me, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. It's not like people died. Like, it's not like, oh, hey, most of the population's dead. Now it's rich assholes that are trying to find a new <laughs> serving class. Like, the idea that, like, oh, because I've, you know, just just last summer, uh, very sad, we had to put down a dog. Uh, when I went then to, to go to a gas station, I didn't have a, a, a chimpanzee throwing M&Ms at me and not being able to. <laughs> <laughs> gas on four! Four! Oh, it's because we had to put Ernie down. I knew this was going to happen. And then a chimp sprayed you with gasoline and you're like, no, no, but, but then, you know, but I left the gas station and I thought to myself, we just got to give them time. Just got to give them time. They just need to learn. You just need to learn them. Yeah. That one, not the one guy's (laughs) dressed like a Nazi. He he'll get it together. I have have confidence in that guy. (laughs) It is interesting how there's like almost like a. There's you know that scene where they go into the the ape training center, ape detention center. I don't know how any ape would learn anything here, but <laughs> humans are scary. <laughs> like yeah. I don't know, like they're not like teaching them a sign language to easily communicate with the 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 chimps of the apes. Like all they're teaching them is like, hey, this flamethrower, don't get near it. Like what what else is <laughs> happening? Although uh, I will yeah. say. Uh, poorly thought out plans that change an entire society overnight um i had a little more trouble believing a year ago than i do in 2015 (laughs) i do think i do think there's like a really good comedy sketch version of this of the implementation of apes as slaves where some beleaguered scientist is just trying to get apes to do the simplest of tasks and of course they're being apes and laughing at them and throwing poop at them and <laughs> and like I, he's like, I can't figure out the the fuel hydration system on this on this bomb. And the ape like looks at it for a second, and then he gets on top, and he just pisses off the rocket. Yeah, I, I picture like <laughs> Professor Frink from The Simpsons, like, now look here, you stupid monkey, and then a and throws a poop at him, and a lot of that endlessly repeated until they finally get him to pick up a fork. <laughs> well, I'm getting audited again. Yeah. Uh, I don't know who thought it was a good idea to have Mr. Bojangles do our taxes again this year, but all he did was spear shit all over my forms. They're taking the house. It's been five years in a row. The IRS is not happy, and the IRS is also run by monkeys. Um, so, honey, you, I, I don't mean to be this way, but, like, you didn't give me anything for Valentine's Day? And like, I actually ordered flowers, but... Mr. Bojangles was supposed to be here any minute, and then, like, there's a <laughs> ring at the doorbell, and uh, he's just, like, ripped up an entire rose bush and just, like, throws it in the middle of the room. <laughs> it could change a lot of scenarios, like, yeah, my wife slept with the pool boy. She's going to jail. <laughs> <laughs> and we had to put the As pool boy would. down. <laughs> yeah, we had, the pool boy is getting strapped in that thing where they just shock him for a while, and then he'll be back to cleaning pools because we don't give up on this idea. <laughs> You know, you know, what movie I kind of thought of with this one. Did you ever see Fido? 
Yeah. Yeah, the zombie zombie movie. It kind of reminded me of that a couple times. Fido is just kind of like a, a zombie comedy. Fido is more specifically like a 50s era like satire. Yes. Whereas this is yes. not that. But yeah, it also features a, a class of, of servant, a servant class that just seems wholly impractical, so. I liked Fido because it, it felt like a weird sequel to Shaun of the Dead. Yeah, kind of. They're like, they're like, oh, wait, so now that we figured out the zombie thing and uh, we decided to keep them around, here's what would happen. Yeah, it's true. Oh, yeah, I forget them. I always for- it's been years since I've seen Shaun of the Dead. I forgot that's how they ended it with them as a slave. <laughs> Game show contestants and slaves, and like they're making the, they're tying them up and shit, so they'll be their friends. Like it's it's, (laughs) yeah, in their shed, (laughs) in their shed. Yes. Can I say it's always weird to me? I've seen Ricardo Montalban in like three movies ever, and they're all TV actor. Yeah, and they're all three like amazing movies. We're talking The Naked Gun, Star Trek II: The Wrath of Khan, and this. And he's amazing and all. And you've seen him in uh, in Escape. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so four movies. Ah, I forgot. Yeah, it's the smaller part there. But so he's amazing in all of those movies. But like in my mind, he is this terrible, cheesy soap opera star. And I don't know why I think of him that way. I've never seen him in anything other than those four movies. And he's nothing but amazing in them. Is it just because he was on Fantasy Island that, like, a show I've never seen (laughs) has colored my impression of him? It's so weird to me. I think it's because he's a punchline. Yeah. I think if Ricardo Montalban heard that, that you say that about him, Zach, I think he would think to himself, (laughs) he vexes me. (laughs) (laughs) The worst worst Ricardo Montalban just got the whisper down. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, because you have to. It has to be somewhat sultry and also um, like lightly uh, Hispanic inflected. Like if Ricardo Montalban and Cesar Romero were never in a movie together, I feel like that's a big missed opportunity <laughs> for the universe. Oh yeah, I feel like. Uh, oh, see, I've never seen Cesar Romero in anything other than Batman. No one has. <laughs> even even his family. He was he was conjured up specifically for the show and then cease to exist in between production <laughs> part of the spell <laughs> what do you guys think of so clearly they they shot this on a real location to save money and they shot it on uc irvine what do you guys think of the location of the film and how it looks because like it's like 70s modern but i yeah. love how modern it looks like it kind of looks like shit you still see today in terms of architecture. The best thing about 70s modern is that it's looped around to being futuristic again. Yeah. I was saying, yeah, I was saying that I think hipsterism was a plot devised by Ted Turner to keep old movies from feeling (laughs) out of date because there are a couple movies from the 70s where I'm like, oh, this looks like her. Yeah. Oh, this looks (laughs) like, oh, this this looks like the shit I wear. It, uh, was the conversation filmed in the same and you see Irvine because it looked to me like a lot of these areas look like scenes from the conversation yeah sure. they take they actually take place same universe and occur concurrently oh okay <laughs> oh I had no idea makes sense um that explain all those apes wandering around in the background of the conversation. Yeah, in the sequel, he actually hires a uh, uh, an ape to play a, a sax for him. Sadly, I actually I, thought in the sequel that as he you makes do. a phone call. You made a phone call. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, found one that's acceptable. Yeah, let me go back and try my Maltobon again. <laughs> he vex he vexes me. That you're proud of. I feel like I used to, but I, I don't. I clearly. Do you listen to our show? <laughs> 
yeah, <laughs> yes, right? That's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> Speaking of, of Caesar as this sort of like center agent for uh, the revolution, uh, there's this line by the governor that says, uh, that compares him uh, when he's being tortured, says, he's like some deadly bacillus and we've got him bottled up in glass. <laughs> uh, which is like very potent as the idea of like language as a virus, yeah. Which is super interesting. It's very Pontypool esque. Uh, it also reminded me of zombie movies in a few other ways, like the fact that like no two apes walk the same way. So it's sort of like a Romero zombie movie where he was like, yeah. you know what? I'm gonna cut out the guys that are really bad, but like <laughs> just do what you think a zombie would walk like. Because I don't. He didn't want a room full of people. Just fucking like he didn't want a dance sequence. Yeah. He didn't want a room full of people walking the same way with slightly off. Yeah, yeah, because every zombie has its own gait because it's decayed in a different way. Yeah, especially they died, right? Yeah. So like <laughs> they, they presumably where the bite happened or where they were shot or whatever that moment is where their their decay will begin. Yeah, but yeah, so it, the end of the movie, the climax of the movie is the actual revolution where it gets very violent very quickly because Caesar escapes from this torture chamber where the governor is torturing him. The way they shoot it is amazing because it's not just like how you'd expect these movies to be, like pump up a big uh, yeah. theatrical score and have like it feel this like epic feel. It's very boots on the ground in a literal sense because the sound design, the sound editing is also like there's a scene where you're waiting for the clash between and there's and there's this like clash between the apes and the police force. Yeah. And you could just hear this like like thumping of footsteps coming down from the the boots on the ground they cut out the score for a moment there's a really great score that's like uh the original one like sort of cacophonous and stuff Mm -hmm. but that's not in this in in this moment they just let the uprising be as it is which is just like this like the apes sort of ambling in the in the silence and it makes it so much creepier it is creepier and it's also shocking i've already seen this movie and i kept expecting i'm like okay they stopped the the police force before they massacre all those apes right and i'm like yeah that must be what happens even on a rewatch i'm like oh yeah holy shit they just mow down all those apes uh with like a head exploding and i know that some of the the gory content was cut for the theatrical release but it's super shocking i thought this movie was rated g uh, it is, is rated PG, uh, even the, the theatrical release. From what I understand, the cuts were, in addition to the making the ending less dark, was also to, to avoid the R rating because they didn't have PG-13 yeah. at the time. Yeah, they cut out some blood. Pretty violent. <laughs> it's kind of soaked in blood at the end. Like, they're yeah. literally smashing in people's... F- and then when the apes gain back control, they're taking the butt of the gun and, and murdering the guards by bludgeoning them to death. There's, there's definitely more than one shot of a body that looks like like a Cannibal Corpse album cover. It's it's just mutilated and blood everywhere. And I was like, what? My goodness, I did not expect this. Like, I, I'm certain that the first version I saw was the theatrical version because it was on TV and it was 15 years ago. So, like, I didn't remember that. And I definitely didn't expect it. So it's very shocking. Like, you don't expect this from an ape movie. No. And in the theatrical one, they just give him a stern talking to. They're like, <laughs> no, don't do that. All right. Where in the, the uncut version, they, they murder them until there's no blood left. So. Yeah. Because <laughs> well, they, uh, didn't, they didn't reshoot. They just recut. Very yeah. obviously. <laughs> which is, it reminds me of the G.I. Joe animated movie ending where uh, it was supposed to end with Duke getting killed. 
And then they just uh, – that tested poorly after uh, they killed Optimus Prime in the Transformers movie. So they, they have the last line of that movie is just, Duke's okay! And then it has, like, people's arms moving up and down, which is probably from another <laughs> shot. And that's that's kind of what the theatrical version is, uh, where he's, like – he has the same look. Everyone's staring at him. He's covered in blood. It's this dark, dark set only with the little light from the fire they're going to use to burn it down. He's like – but we will work together. <laughs> the end. <laughs> That's <laughs> now hilarious. it is the planet of the apes. Like it's oh, okay. so it's so tinkered, and um, I could totally get like why then people wouldn't like the movie at the time because at the end feels like a total goddamn whiff. I still liked it a lot when I first saw it because uh, when I first saw it, I saw the theatrical. I still liked it, but it does feel like you're like ah, oh, dude. Like they told you the last two movies were too depressing, so they. <laughs> <laughs> they shot us three. Can you tell the uh, Dana Gould joke about the third one? So they're all sitting in a writer's room and they're like smoking and they're like, they're like, all right. So at the end of the first movie, we find out that all of mankind has collapsed. All right. So and the next movie, we give you a sense of hope. Like maybe, uh, I don't know, the apes and the humans get along and then um, we nuke the earth. Like, how are we going to make the third one darker? I'm like, Let's shoot a baby. <laughs> like, it's, it's so bleak. And the weird thing is that the shooting of the baby is like a distraction. It's like almost like a red herring that you're like, oh, no, the actual chimp that we care about lived. I'm like, <laughs> a baby chimp still got shot and thrown in the water. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and this one, too, though, I'd like to imagine the, the test audience that like saw this like, I, I don't care for this at all. What is this saying about us? I, I pictured that it was like that scene in the producers when you see the audience for the first time after the show's been going on and everyone's jaws just dropped. <laughs> the, be- the best yeah. part is is that I, I imagine the type of people they brought to the test screening uh, recognize themselves in all of the the white people. <laughs> they must have. <laughs> Let's talk about any other little moments. I know... This movie doesn't really have a lot of little moments for the most part. It's a it's a brief ninety minutes. Uh, it really goes from from point A to point B. I'll just I'll, the only thing I'll say about it is I really like the the line after Caesar takes control of the news report that alerts people that something is off. Where the news reporter says, the, the, "This is the first thing he says." Ape management is in the control of the ape. That's a great. <laughs> that's a great line. Ape management is, is, in, line. is in the control of the apes. My, you know, you're kind of right, Aaron. Um, Finally, that, fifty-two episodes. <laughs> you're kind of right. There's no real like moments, moments like in usual movies like this, because usually there's like a, a distraction or a side path or something that like. But yeah, so we got into the race stuff right at the beginning. But like, there's a few little moments uh, at the race stuff that I wanted to touch on the socioeconomic stuff. The white woman in the restaurant saying, "You're over tipping to her husband because he's giving too many treats to the ape." <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. The do you keep raisins? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like raisins like, are I, currency. I'm assuming they're still paying the humans normal, but then they have to keep a different currency for the waiters? <laughs> Sounds like nonsense. It is funny that you would have treats for the apes for a tip that exists seemingly solely for that, and you could be over-tipping. Like, what else are you going to do with the ape treats? Eat them? How like? expensive <laughs> are these treats? Like, can you just tip 20%? You've had a pocket full of raisins for eight weeks. <laughs> <laughs> All right, the raisins are bad. Just give them the raisins. They're not expensive. It's the principle. He well, set fire to my tablecloth again. Maybe this is an alternate universe where raisins are, are really rare. All, yeah. all normal grapes. 
were uh, beset by the same cat dog disease. Maybe uh, it's <laughs> maybe the same disease that killed all the rabbits in uh, Repulsion took out the grapes and the cats and the dogs. That was a deep cut. It's tough. Yeah, it's a really <laughs> deep cut. Um, it's a callback uh, to an yeah. episode I was not even on. <laughs> <laughs> and we don't remember. <laughs> That's a great callback. Yeah. Um, and then the other, there's a, there's a couple more moments, little moments, like there's someone calls the an, uh, someone a ape lover, which is clearly supposed to be. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. And word lover. It's clearly supposed they to They say be the bad. apes are getting uppity too. <laughs> yeah. Oh God. There's a lot of like little moments where you're like, you don't want to be subtle at all, right? <laughs> I kind of love it that way where you're like, well, they didn't let um, comfortable white people sit back in their seat and be like oh it's just a movie about monkeys yeah. no ex- um, exactly they did not give you an out because like the big beats the big story beats are super obvious and then all the little story beats are also super obvious <laughs> i was surprised at first that they let them actually have sex and there's this weird moment where like the female ape makes sexy eyes at him even though it's clearly supposed to be like almost like an industrial process like you bring three apes in they get the the lady ape pregnant if the lady ape isn't pregnant you bring in more chimps. Like, it's clearly supposed to be this, like, assembly line kind of thing. How is that Which different is, you know, than part- normal sex? <laughs> uh, Aaron, so how how was your sex? How how was all of it? <laughs> Someone calls you on the phone and says, you come to this room in room B. Is it a U-Haul? Like, what does it look like? I mean, how was how my sex overall fair to good? <laughs> <laughs> There's specific ones that are less... So and some that are better, you know. Yeah, I'd I'll give it, I'd give out. it an average rating. So they, I was surprised they let them have sex, but then because I, I was like thinking about, it, I was like, oh, it's the future. Why wouldn't they artificially inseminate the the chimps? You know, because like uh, especially American slavery, which isn't necessarily true of all slavery throughout time, and is true of some slavery. Uh, American slavery included the component that you kept the, the children of your slaves, which wasn't always true, especially if you had an indentured servant or something like. If your servant had a kid, it wasn't like, so one's Billy coming to work on the factory line. Like, it wasn't it wasn't like that. Um, and so that's why I, there was another line. that was like, oh, they're specifically hinting at, like, the American version of slavery where, yes, they let slaves visit other plantations under specific other plantations or other, you know, the slave was kept. They let them go to other plantations, farms, whatever, private homes sometimes because they were like, oh, yeah, you can, you can be in love. It was because they were like, well, yeah, you have a kid and then we get to keep the kid. <laughs> Another really fucked up moment that they're like, the, the one chimp is like, all right, this sounds awesome. And then you're like, oh, shit, that sucks. They're going to like, if there's a baby, they're just going to keep the baby and make another slave. Well, I mean, they didn't use artificial insemination because of all their technological resources. Uh, went to the authenticator. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. There's only so much time, you know. You you had to build a super modern college campus. Let me let me tell you what. Print all those jumpsuits, and then what else are you gonna? You only have so much time. If you have a perfect lie detector to the point that Ricardo Maltaban does not even want to take it, and like just gives himself up before <laughs> they even ask him a question on it, start with that for your interrogation. Don't do all the other shit. It's a waste of time. They like to give him, you know, at least the opportunity to tell the truth. That's good faith. Yeah, but they they didn't believe him. I mean, they this is the most suspicious paranoid culture, which I guess <laughs> works for fascism as well, because they think in a may have spoke and are immediately like rewriting their own past that everyone took as like a thing that happened. It's like if you saw a guy with a big beard walking down the street and are like, "Look, maybe Osama bin Laden's still alive." Um, because they immediately jump there when they think an ape may have spoke where maybe that baby didn't really die 20 years ago. It's the baby. 
It's true. The way they throw out everything they believed for the last 20 years, that comes very quick. Yeah. Again, convenience of storytelling for this movie, but... An efficient vehicle. I think he's already paranoid, though, isn't he? Because he shows that video... You know, he shows that video to explain why he is worried about the Ape Uprising. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, But it seems to me like he was always kind of suspicious about the story. I didn't get the... And this is a really minor nitpick of your minor nitpick. (laughs) Uh, It seemed to me like they didn't believe it in the first place. And like... Oh, goodness, here's some proof dropped in our lap. It's a weird thing to, like, to hold on to for 20 years when you were probably 13. Like, (laughs) I'm just, I'm enslaving all these apes. If I ever hear one talk, oh, my God. That's what I'm (laughs) like, you know, I'm not saying that you couldn't be like that. Yeah. As a a human being. I'll Uh, introduce you to some people. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But, like, you, I don't know if you also then have the competency to rise up as governor. But, again, 2017, throw all of those (laughs) notions right out the window. Who the fuck knows about anything anymore? Yeah, the governor was grossly incompetent. I mean, jumping back to what I said earlier. He could be president. Yeah, they, (laughs) they let them into the war room during the planning stages and yet expect them to understand English. Like, that's part of the reason that Caesar is such a good organizer. It's not just because he's super intelligent, but also he has the capacity... They take them so for granted, granted that they don't know that they have the capacity to just pay attention to the battle plans and just be like, <laughs> yep. Uh, then they go home at night to whatever, the ape basement where they organize. And they're like, this motherfucker has no idea. <laughs> well, that's another good, not subtle touch where they are not allowed to be able to read and write, which is like a, if a slave in this country was found, you know, they had to hide that from people if they... If they knew how to do that, same thing, exact same thing here. Yeah. And then, of course, they use it against him. Yeah, final thought? It's a really, really, really good movie. It will make you feel bad like good movies should. And <laughs> uh, one of a great series. I, I can't recommend the whole series highly enough to any of the listeners who haven't watched them or all of them. It's one of the most surprising series. No one ever expects the Planet of the Ape movies to be good beyond the first one. And I think even in 2017, a lot of people don't expect that one to be good anymore. They've become a punchline for so long. So many jokes, which admittedly some very funny jokes. But I think it's it's kind of, we already know the ending, so we think we already know the movie. So when I think when people actually go back and watch even the original, it's a gut punch because it, it's, it's a different movie than you expect. And then the sequels, we expect, oh, it's, you know, it's the 70s. They made a bunch of sequels to that successful movie. They're just a bunch of junk. But really, no. I think they all have their own qualities that make them vital, and they're all different movies. Beneath is probably the closest to being a retread, and even it goes in its own bizarre direction at the end. Um, so I think it's I think it's a series that anyone who hasn't listened should check out, and anyone who hasn't watched in years uh, should check out again. And if you have recently watched it, then congratulations. <laughs> you, you win. <laughs> you win a good movie. The sentence wasn't going anywhere. I had to go somewhere. <laughs> Hang out for the uh, awkward end at the end yeah. of the show. Now yeah, we've agree, agree conquested exactly. the planet uh, of, the of the apes. So, uh, <laughs> Aaron, hold your awkwardness, okay? Let, let's get through the meat of this. For, for I'm gonna, I'm gonna hold my awkwardness and the meat, so we can go back to Galecast. It's a kale cast. 
Uh, yeah, enough about anyways. this shit. Anyways, so <laughs> no. oh, so the this movie is is very interesting to me. It's a series that I highly recommend, just like Zach said. And it's interesting to me because the original movie, you know, Rod Serling worked on it, The Twilight Zone, Rod Serling, which is where I learned to love sci-fi, and I love to learn the sort of like thought experiment sci-fi. Like, what if this happened? What if this happened? This took the notes of sourness that Rod Serling brought to the Twilight Zone because not every episode of Twilight Zone was sour. Their Christmas episode is pretty amazing um, and pretty th- optimistic. But he, they took notes of sourness from the original one and sort of like concentrated it for this one. Uh, it's a smaller movie in some sense because it's like a lower budget, less areas to go to, and there's like less set pieces and less um, there's less less uh, sidebars and such. Uh, but it's uh, just as it feels just as epic, uh, but it has this like note of sourness at its core that's pretty, pretty great. And I think that in some sense, this movie has, in a practical sense, aged the best of all the movies because it has uh, something yep. to say about race and it's angry about race, which is important. It's not coming from this like safe liberal ivory tower where it's like everything's going to be all right. We just need respect. It's like remember those places like let's get some of the anger out right now. Like, feel your anger. You're allowed to feel angry. Like, I, I, I love that. I love that. And that's why watching the movie was a very cathartic experience. And I think that the theme of this month, this awe apocalypse, uh, was supposed aww. to be uh, the awe apocalypse. <laughs> it's supposed to be feeling your ind- indignation at oppressors, uh, whether they be alcoholic clowns or they be uh, Nazi humans. Yeah, if you... Uh, I'll, I'll keep my final thoughts brief. If you saw an angrier, more politically relevant third sequel to a popular movie, <laughs> you were watching Mad Max Fury Road. Uh, otherwise, <laughs> you were watching this movie. There's there's not that many fourth entries in a series that feel this vibrant, angry, and alive. And while you know Fury Road is obviously a a much better uh, overall crafted movie that same like I, I can imagine the director going to set each day and with like just this contagious energy where he's just like all right let's fucking shoot this thing because it feels like the fury is boiling over off the screen and it has something to say and Again, not as competent as you would like in some respects, but feels energetic in a way that I would say I would say most uh, like dystopian movies don't have this sort of energy because they're kind of cold and it's futuristic yeah. and it's alienating. And this one is not. This one is there's a fire in its belly and it doesn't it's not alienating you in the same way that a lot of those movies are trying to do. This one is trying to punch you in the face as hard and as often as possible it's it's really good uh watch the uncut version but it is it is really really good so uh so zach thank you so much uh, for joining us again um you joseph and rick can be in a little bit of a your own death race to see who gets to guess next uh you guys yep. kind of had the alec baldwin steve martin and then one of you eventually christopher walken. john Go- christopher walken oh. yeah i was gonna say john goodman both kind of fell off and yeah. their streaks at some point. But I want to be Christopher uh, Walken in that scenario. Yeah, I think that's best for for you as a person. Yeah. Uh the 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 more you can not be around us, I think is is better for your maturity, Man. emotional growth. Yeah. Uh and your sanity, really. Yeah. Speaking of which, let's go back to the Kale Cast. Yeah. Oh. The Kale Cast. 
so uh, Zach, so thank you so much again for joining us. Um, thank you for having all me. The, all the all the work you did, especially like designing our logo and so yeah. much other stuff. You have you have really been like a core component. You're like our. Uh, you're like our sixth man, so to speak. You're our third, third. Our, your so your, you, fi- your fifth beetle. You're, mm. Yeah, the fifth beetle, the seventh uh, drum set of Neil Pert. <laughs> um, all all the popular sayings about yeah. uh, extra people who are important, but third not, wheel. Everyone likes the yeah. third wheel. Yeah. Third, the, yeah. The legend. The legend. Exactly. <laughs> third legend. Zach, do you have anything to plug? Well, I'll plug my website, which is currently up and running. It's rfgentertainment.com. That's Roger Frank Geronimo Entertainment.com. Don't use the Is that letters. What it stands for? No. <laughs> <laughs> but I wanted to make it clear what letters to type. Um, I thought that you were working with two other people and the G was going to be Groton. And I'm like, oh, it's like a DreamWorks, like an SKG thing going on. Yeah, no. But that, then it turned into Geronimo at the end. And I'm like, I don't think he has a friend. It's my old username. Oh. Raul F. Gonzo. Got it. Thank you yeah. for spelling it out. It um, was late. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> literally spelled it out twice and then figuratively. <laughs> <laughs> but no. Uh, so that's my website. You can see. Pretty much all the artwork I did for the show there. And also you can see uh, any of my short films. Uh, soon you'll be able to get a link to a Indiegogo page for my thesis film that I'll be shooting in June. I'm going to be start begging people for money for that. But it's not up yet because I haven't finished it. So Well, come back when it is up. And we, I will. We can plug it again. Yeah. And other than that, no. I have nothing to plug aside from what I already plugged. We'll keep <laughs> plugging away. Yeah. Keep on plugging in the free world. Oh wait, we can't devolve into that yet. Yeah, let's, uh, we, we so, got we got business. Next week we're doing uh, Doctor Moreau, The Island of Doctor Moreau from 1996. Oh wow, uh, Frankenheimer to Ash Richard Stanley, uh, and we're doing that in unison with the documentary Lost Soul. Oh, okay, uh, which is about uh, the making of the film. And we, I, I honestly, I don't know what Aaron thinks about this. I honestly don't know whether we're watching the documentary to go with the film or if we're watching the film and the documentary goes with it to inform it. I don't know which informs which. This was uh, something that I, when we were talking about movies to do uh, for this podcast, it was on my like initial, like, I want to talk about this movie. And it's because I haven't seen it since it came out and uh, or maybe a couple years after it came out. So like 96, 97, 98, somewhere in there. I considered it one of my hundred favorite movies. And then I never actually watched it again, but kind of, you know, never thought about it and then found out it was considered horrible and never really revisited. So for me, this is kind of a, is this as bad as everyone says? I remember really being sucked up in how bizarre and all the weird choice in the movie. But it's also like you're 13. You haven't seen David Lynch. <laughs> you haven't seen good ver- versions of bizarre. You're just like, well, I don't know what the fuck that was. It must have been really good because I don't understand what I just saw. Uh, so for me, it's it's kind of Moreau. And I think the story, uh, I think Lost Soul is really good. I think the story of making it is really, really interesting. But I guess, I guess we'll find out. Uh, I'm kind of interested in recording this one because we're, we're, we are going to try to talk about both in tandem. That could make for a very, um, good, informative, interesting episode or one where we don't give uh, either movie its due. So we'll see. <laughs> I think that the, the the documentary is ultimately ultimately well informs the film. I've already watched both of them, uh, and I haven't. So, and I think the documentary uh, informs the film in a really potent way. 
Um, but yeah, so that's exciting. And then we're doing White God with Peter Schubert. Yep, Peter Schubert's coming on the cast. Coming Has he on been the on the cast? The... No, he was. Uh, he was going to. Uh, and then he had some some uh, personal stuff going on, and we were scheduled to talk about White God. So I like uh, Peter. We're still going to ask him to guy. do his Arnold. Yeah, he's great. Uh, and he's been a big big supporter of this podcast, nice. and we are very happy to have him on and see what that delay is going to be like. Will he be your first international guest? Well, I don't like to think of countries as a real thing. Oh, okay. So sure. <laughs> yeah. I'm post-nationalism. Okay. Will he be your first German guest? <laughs> Yes. <laughs> I'm German, so no, he won't. Uh, so, yeah, that's very exciting. We'll close the month of White God, and then I think uh, either next week, yeah, I think next week we'll have more to say about May's theme. So, yeah, for now, just sit tight. And, uh, yeah, so, uh, hey, folks, uh, please like our Facebook group at uh, facebook.com uh, slash we love to watch. Uh, I know everyone tells you to like their Facebook group, but by joining, you get a chance to participate in our new polls. So year two of the show, we're going to introduce more of our listener generated months. So in July will be our first month. That's going to be listener generated and we're going to start slow. It's just mm. going to be, we're going to give you four themes and uh, you get to pick which theme of those four we're going to cover. In the future, we'll have, you know, hey, we've got two ideas for this month. Do you guys want to help us pick another one? Hey, should I wear this today? Should I wear this today? Yes. Which clothes do you want me to wear while I record? How drunk do you want me to get on the podcast? Uh, Which language do you want us to record the podcast in? Yeah. Um, These are are all voting options, and we'll have at least one of them. (laughs) So, yeah, uh, like us on Facebook. I promise it is not a uh, spammy group. Uh, so it's basically that's going to be the where you're going to. There'll be no talk of spam in the group. There'll be no talk of spam. No, no we have our spam subgroup. Yeah, yeah spam subgroup. And yeah, that's where you can get uh, latest updates on episodes. Uh, that's where we'll have some fun discussion and random posts that we both, uh, Aaron and I, decide to put up. And uh, yeah, that is where you will get the first notice about any polls. Uh, and uh, all the polls will be hosted at uh, WLTWpodcast.com. Uh, and they should be prominently featured right on the front page. I will have, as soon as the first poll launches, there will be a tab or a menu option. You can see every vote that uh, is currently up. So, uh, yes, the website is uh, still a work in progress, uh, still tweaking uh, brand identity and such. But for now, um, it's fully functional and uh, go there for any updates. Yep. So, uh, so yes, thanks again for, uh, for joining us, Zach. Uh, we Thank have you. conquisted nice. the planet of the apes. We would love, we would love to tackle some planets. To tackle. <laughs> I'm just gonna, I'm gonna mirror you now. Of the <laughs> apes, I'm gonna I, be your, I'm gonna be your flavor flavor for this. <laughs> Go ahead. I would like to be hyped right now by my best. He'd like to be hyped right Aaron now. Aaron Armstrong. Oh, I'm your best man. Mm-hmm. Fuck you. What fuck ever Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> Good night. Good night. <laughs> Running to and fro, hard working at the mill, never fail in the mill, yet come a rotten bill. Too much monkey business. Too much monkey business. Too much monkey business for me to be involved in. 
folks. Thanks for listening to We Love to Watch. If you want to get in touch with us, please reach out to us at either our website, wltwpodcast.com, or our Facebook group, facebook.com backslash we love to watch. And uh, yeah, reach out to us. Give us some feedback, give us some support, uh, suggest movies for the show, all that. We are also available on SoundCloud, TuneIn, Stitcher, and iTunes. Thanks for listening.